Sleepy Computer. Hey, welcome to Sleepy Computer. Uh, this is episode seven, um, and we're really excited because it's a bit of a special episode today. We've upgraded our AI technology. Ooh. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm quite excited about this because this is a toy I wanted to get my hands on for a little while. Uh, we create the stories that we read out using uh, a piece of software called GPT-2, and GPT-3, the next version of it, has, has come out quite recently. Um, only certain people are allowed to play around with it, and um, we found a way of getting hold of it, which we're super excited about. So today's story is using a more advanced AI that has more parameters and is generally just more intelligent. Um, but I think uh, it will still be capable of making the sorts of mistakes that we find funny. <laughs> so uh, without any further ado, we're just going to jump straight into the story. Uh, today's story is a murder mystery story. Oh, I'm so excited about this. It's basically one of our favorite genres. Um, so yeah, we've we've slightly given the computer a clue that we want there to be a death of some description. I hope that's not a big spoiler for a murder and mystery murder, story. Murder. Yeah. yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, but beyond that, it's, it's largely been left to its own devices. Um, as ever, we've given it a few pointers and and edit it where it doesn't entirely make sense but the the meat and potatoes of the story is, is coming from the ai here which is is really great so um let's begin uh, this, this story doesn't have a title by the way <laughs> um, oh yeah it just doesn't have one so let's begin untitled one dot document dot exe lady radish sighed as she raised a pressed cotton napkin to the corners of her lips it frustrated her that her staff couldn't follow even the most basic of instructions. How many times must I tell you all? She asked. I do not wish to be disturbed for the rest of the night. So if you expect to come back in later, you may do so without an appointment. However, I will need to be informed immediately of any attempted intrusions on my time. Her footman, Len, nodded nervously. He didn't like his job, even less so when his lady was in one of her moods. Luckily for him, she hadn't been in one of her mad phases for a while now. Not since that incident with the chandelier in the dining hall. Oh. <laughs> what happened with the chandelier? <laughs> I, I dread to think what kind of an incident that would be. I assume she shot it down with a musket? She would, from what I know. First of all, Lady Radish, can we, can we unpack got, that for a yeah. hot second? I think the AI is a big fan of like vegetable surnames, or just vegetable names in I general. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I am too. I assume it, it maybe it refers to her complexion. Maybe. She's ruddy. She's ruddy. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, she said. I suppose you can go. Len opened the door and peeked through it to see if anyone lurked in the hallway. The coast was clear. He slipped out of the room, closed the door, and stomped on the ground in anger, yelling, What the fuck, man? It's fine, she said from in the room, waving her hand. Just a lost tomato seed. <laughs> Is that an expression? <laughs> I, I guess it must be, you know, like, it doesn't just, mean it's anything. Just one it's of just one those things. It's just a lost tomato seed. On, on the it's ocean, fine. On the ocean of life. <laughs> Len stormed down the hallway, knocking over a priceless vase as he did so. Lady Radish had more than enough money to replace it, so it wasn't even like she cared all that much. But still, it was a distraction for him that couldn't be risked. She was the only person that he had direct orders to obey, and she was in a foul mood for some reason. Lady Radish looked down at her delicate hands as though they held the fate of the world. She then snapped them forward, cracking her knuckles. She said, 
It's time to wine and dine some posh boys. And took a sip of wine. It was official. Len had stopped paying attention. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Len is like the worst footman. He is like the absolute worst. But also, is she like wanting to like get some boys? Oh, she wants some posh boys she... in and around her mansion. <laughs> is that what we're calling it now? So that's not what I meant. The Radish residence was due to host an exclusive and exciting occasion tonight. The butler had just informed Lady Radish of the new arrival, a young lord who wanted to make an impression. Posh boy number one. Posh boy number one for Lady Radish. He's here, she asked. I don't have time to do my hair. His lordship is in the drawing room, my lady, the butler said. Lady Radish stuck out her bottom lip and put on her serious face. This was her moment. She was going to rise above the rest and make a grand first impression. She ruffled her skirt using her hands and decided for an extra special impression she should arrive in the room atop a purple velvet chair. That is how I enter every room. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm thinking like uh, the Prince Ali song from Aladdin. Oh, yeah, Yeah. definitely. On an elephant in a sedan chair. Yeah, basically. Obviously. The drawing room was packed with servants, each and every one of them staring at her as she sat down next to the Lord of the Manor. Hello, she said, smiling at the crowd of servants. They all looked like ants to her, all scurrying around, doing their chores. She batted her eyes at him. My father, the Count, will be here at any minute, she smiled. Uh, That's the Count, by the way. She's not being rude. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) She was a beautiful woman, with teeth the colour of iced coffee. Ew! And the man could not take his eyes off of her. She was certain of it. Is that sexy now? Iced coffee teeth. (laughs) No, absolutely not. She had teeth the colour of iced coffee, and the man could not take his eyes off of her. She was certain of it. She took another sip of wine and pretended to look around the room. The Lord of the Manor was watching her with a slight frown, as though he was trying to work out whether or not she was lying. Is that... She asked, pointing to a painting of two lovers kissing in a meadow. Yeah. The Lord replied. That is indeed me and my wife. She frowned, disappointed. No, strike that one off the list. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> That's typical. She looked around the room once more, and this time she noticed a flat screen TV on the wall. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay, I thought this was like Victorian era. No, they got flat screen TVs. No. It was on, but nobody was watching it. She saw an opportunity. She grabbed the remote control and put on the darts. The darts! <laughs> she absolutely loved the chanting, nerdy American announcer, and that tune that they played when the darts hit the board. She loved it so much that she hated to interrupt the beautiful silence it created. The Lord of the Manor coughed politely, and she quickly muted the TV and pretended to find the volume knob. Ah! She said, I can't hear the darts. I've asked the butler to increase the volume, my lady, he said. Very good. Yes, very good. It is good to watch the darts, isn't it, your lordship? She said, swooning. Please call me Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. She flicked through the channels, stopping at one that showed a nature show. She stared at the animals in wonder and pretended to be entranced by the narrator. Her father was a count, and she could pretend to be entranced by animals if she wanted. <laughs> yes, only only the aristocracy can be entranced it's, by animals. It's it's a right only afforded to the very upper echelons of society to pretend yeah. to be entranced. She looked at the Lord Matthew and noticed he was watching her with an interested look. What do you think of my new TV? 
I think it's actually pretty good because we had to change the default settings because it was too loud. He laughed. It's very good. But don't you find it is a little sad that there's nothing on? Yes. Yes, I do, she said. I really like nature shows. They're so interesting. Did you know that- The door opened and the butler came in. Dinner is ready, my lady, he said. Coming! She replied. Matthew, I have the most wonderful news. It's time for us to wine and dine with some of the most notable people in the town of Nightfall. And they're all waiting for us in the dining room. Who are they exactly? He asked, looking a bit concerned. Oh, you'll meet them tonight. They're just some prominent citizens that support Count Versarken's bid to become lord of this manor. Does he have a chance of becoming the lord? He asked curiously. Oh, don't worry. You're perfectly safe with your own little manor. It would just be nice to have two, you know. Daddy gets competitive. She giggled and skipped off to the dining room. <laughs> oh. Matthew stared after her and frowned. He didn't really like where this was going. A footman coughed and he pranced nervously before following her. I like the idea of a man in tails that... that it's just like sort of prancing around. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's that's quite the image i'm not gonna lie um i've noticed something already which is that mm-hmm. a lot of the staff here have quite a bad cough the- <laughs> there's a lot of COVID. <clears throat> covid's going around or or asbestos or <laughs> no <laughs> they have asbestos in the walls get that checked i mean it's an unusual thing for there to be a flat screen tv in a story yeah, set in this period. It's, that's it's, what I was... I was very confused. It's by. unusually prescient of them to have thought to invent one. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just for just for the lady. Lady Ratish. And the darts. Yeah, she loves the darts. Oh, God. I quite, I do quite like the darts. I've never been to see it live. I can't work out if I'd love it or hate it. It's one or the other. Uh, well, they just have great hair. He took a seat at the table and the butler served him. As he tucked in, he heard a bunch of excited whispering going on around the table. He looked up to see that everyone at the table, but him and a pregnant woman, had armed themselves with cutlery and were pointing at him. What? He said. I'm not the food, what gives? It's rude to sit before the count, your lordship, hissed one of the butlers, wearing only a silver chef's hat. Nude, nude butlers. (laughs) I'm not even the count, I'm the butler. The butler stared back at him blankly. You're the butler? He asked again, unsure. You are the lord. I am the butler, the butler hissed. It was good to get that established. A portly man in a dinner suit walked into the room. He had long, combed back blonde hair and a thin moustache. Ah, I'm sorry, my dear. I got tied up in some- He stopped short and stared at Matthew. Matthew, this is Count Rostov, head of the Vasarkin family, and the man I was telling you about, said the butler, gesturing to the host. Matthew stood up and gave a quick bow. Good evening, my lord. I must say you're looking truly resplendent tonight. I mean that not in a lustful way, of course. I'm sure you know. The Count laughed. I do. Good evening, Matthew. 
Where's he going to sit? Matthew asked the butler, gesturing to the empty seat. My lord must sit at the head of the table, he said. Matthew frowned. He thought that was a bit old-fashioned, but let it pass. The butler led the count to the head of the table. As they sat, the butlers and maids began to sit at the other end. Ah, this is an interesting table layout. I can't remember the last time I had a dinner with such an eclectic bunch, said the Count, as his wife quickly put her hand on his arm. I'd like to raise a toast to my beautiful daughter, Lady Reddish. Everyone around the table raised their glasses, which were full of wine, imagine. Mm. To To Lady Lady Reddish, Reddish, they all said in unison. The Countess looked a bit embarrassed, but soon raised her glass. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't know what my father is going to say when he hears about this, but I hope he'll forgive me. Her father, who's just literally given the toast. (laughs) He was the one that was toasting her. I don't think she has object permanent. Yeah, or she just wasn't paying attention. Like, she just sat there on her phone or whatever, and then he, like, (laughs) raises the toast to her. And she's like, oh, oh. Oh, right, right. What what will my father say? (laughs) Not even, like, looking up. Matthew didn't understand. What are you talking about? That is your father. The heiress of Rostov stared at him, and for the first time that night, she smiled. Oh, yes. I suppose he is. The staff were trying to hide their discomfort. Radish had gotten a reputation for being somewhat of a loose cannon, always shouting and bawling to get her own way. It had made her quite unpopular with the staff of the household. They had a secret nickname for her, the Bloodthirsty Heiress, because she was well known to cut down any of the staff that displeased her in some way. The butler quickly interjected. Yes, everyone, the staff are quite fond of her, despite her unique personality. That is a nice necklace you're wearing, said the Count, changing the subject. Thank you. It's very old, and my mother gave it to me. She turned to the person sat on her left and introduced herself. Hello, I'm Lady Reddish. What is your name, and why are you here? Which is just absolute classic royal banter. I love, well, I love the fact that she... And what do you do? (laughs) And what what do you do? She doesn't really care, though, does she? Oh, I... I, I'm, uh, Robert. I'm here because I'm- The butler interrupted him. Count Rostov sent for you to be at this dinner because he's heard some rumours about you. I have to say, he's very worried. Robert looked down at his feet and started to stutter. I, 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 I ate, ate a person. Yes? Inquired Radish. I ate a person! There was silence. The butler frowned and coughed. Hell's bells, lad. What a twat. (laughs) What a great line for her to have. The impropriety of the staff. Yeah, it's not a very tight ship. (laughs) No, but I don't think, from what I know, like if anyone names their daughter Radish. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Also, there's a cannibal at dinner. So there's that. Oh, yeah. I completely, honestly... I completely forgot about him, yeah. which is hard to do. It's a strange thing to bring a cannibal to a dinner party. Um, mm-hmm. It really puts like quite a lot of pressure on the catering staff I... to provide enough portions. Yeah, because I guess if if he runs out of meat, then he'll just move eat on. The staff. Yeah. Well, anyone. Anyone. Anyone's up for grabs. Count Rostov suddenly stood up and walked over to his daughter. 
He bent down to her level and with a serious face said, Rats, I need to talk to you about what the butler has just said. She looked nervous but stood up. Her father continued, There's some proper freaks in tonight, so keep your distance. That one? He pointed at a short lady with red hair. Forced a duck to dance on a table and then ate part of it. Was it delicious? Yes! That's good then. That's good. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's get this right. She forced a duck to dance on a table and then ate part of it. We don't know if she ate part of the duck or if she ate part of the table. (laughs) And I'm guessing the duck was raw? Oh. Oh, she just ate it straight away. Maybe, yeah. Unless she forced it to dance so vigorously that it cooked itself now. Oh no! (laughs) That's probably not true. But it's good to check that it was delicious. The butler coughed again. I swear there's something going around. Also, there's a ghost in the dining hall. Don't eat anything there. There's a ghost? There's a ghost in the dining hall. Don't worry about it. Oh dear. What does he do? The butler frowned. A lot of things. But mainly he's gone for a ghost wee all over the food. Oh my god. A ghost wee. A ghost, it's just... The very worst it, kind of wee. Yeah, but it does sound cute. A ghost wee. I, I think a ghost wee is what middle-aged men have when their prostate acts oh. up. <laughs> Count Rostov looked around the room and... So, everyone's looking around the room a lot. Like, they're getting, they've all got a cough and they're all going to have neck ache. From, well... If they're looking around the room, someone's going to solve the murder right quick. Yeah. Because no yeah. one is... Everyone's no... got their head on this way. What we've got here is a parliament of owls <laughs> having dinner. That would actually make a lot of sense. Count Rostov looked around the room and sat down next to his daughter. He rested his head on her shoulder and closed his eyes. I thought things would be different here. They are different, father. No, they're not. This place is falling apart, and everyone is a mad bastard. I'm glad you like animals. I do. I mean, they're all right, she said. Darling, they are simply the best thing. I hope one day you can truly have as good a friendship with an animal as I have with my Dear Wilfred, opined the Count, picturing his beloved Basset Hound in his mind. That's nice. Are we going to eat now? The butler coughed. Yes, my lady. I'll fetch the dinner now. With these words, he left the room. Count Rostov took his hand off his daughter's shoulder, stood up, and walked to his place at the head of the table. He announced, We're going to eat now. So everybody... Enjoy just a bit of this delicious veal. After this, we'll have some fruit and then coffee. He looked at his daughter and she looked back. It was the closest they were going to get to a smile for the rest of the night. Everybody tucked into the first course, which was bread and oil and sample fruit. (laughs) What is sample fruit? Also, you can't hear this, but sample is spelled with two spaces between each letter. (laughs) So it's like... Sample. The Count looked happier than he had since his wife died, and even managed to converse with some of the staff members at the table, who unbent enough time to tell ghost hunting stories. I don't think his wife is dead. I, because she definitely 
touched his arm. Oh yeah. Earlier, she is there. But they're talking about ghost hunting, so maybe she's there in presence, in, in spirit. Yeah, we don't know. Robert ate like a bird, pecking at seeds, watching everybody else enjoy the human food and drink, and wishing he could have that. Well, okay, but that makes sense, because you don't want the cannibal to get a taste for meat. Yeah, okay, so they've, like, sanitized... They've given him, like, the vegan option of of birdseed, obviously. Just... Um, Or a nut loaf or something. So he's just absolutely... Or maybe he is an owl, after all. (gasps) (laughs) Maybe they're all owls. I can't... I'm just going to start a new conspiracy theory Twitter account. It's all all out. It's all out. It's owls all the way down. (laughs) (laughs) The veal was delicious, and nobody minded. Before we knew it, the servants had cleared the table and brought in dessert. A big cherry pie with a scoop of ice cream on top. The Count smiled. Now this is what we're here for. My wife would have loved this. The Count's wife glared at him. The staff seemed embarrassed. After a few minutes, the pie and ice cream were on the table, and the Count seemed to forget about it. The dessert was quickly eaten, and suddenly the Count stood up. Well, friends, this has truly been the most wonderful of occasions. It's so nice to have people over for my daughter's 18th. And especially nice to be in the presence of a ghost hunter. He looked at Robert. I thank you for visiting me, my boy. I really do hope you come back again. Don't eat me. <laughs> Pleading. Just just do, sort of throwing it in there. Do come back, but not to eat my organs. <laughs> please, please, Robert, no. I sure will, sir. Thank you so much for your hospitality. My wife was a wonderful woman, and I'm sorry she has been forgotten. But then, people forget the dead. Thank you for reminding us all of her. This upset the Count's wife so much that she had to be (laughs) sedated. (laughs) I mean... So she's not dead. She's not dead, and she's pissed. She lashed out at the staff, claiming they were tormenting her. They had to be calmed down by the Count, who knew that this was just a sedative talking, and it would wear off soon. At once, the large doors of the dining hall swung open, and the footman strode in on two feet, no less, whimpering like a lost dog. The butler stood by, looking as though he was about to cry. Count, I'm afraid I have some terrible news, he said solemnly. Well, out with it then, the Count demanded. The footman wiped his eye. The gardener, sir, he was mowing the lawn, and he tripped the minesweeper, and it blew up his house. Jesus! Why does he have mines in his lot? What a dangerous place to work. I mean, talk about, like, an occupational hazard. But good news is, he didn't blow up. He tripped the mine and it blew up his house. It blew up his house. I mean, that's awful, isn't it? If you don't keep up repayments on your mortgage, we may blow up your house with a mine. Jesus Christ. The Count fell back into his seat, while the butler let out a blood-curdling scream. Well, it's a murder mystery. There has to be at least one. Yeah. I feel like this isn't the murder, though. Unless, Oh, maybe someone was in the house. Maybe. A few seconds later, the servants were still screaming, but now they had ash on their faces. The cold didn't quite kill them, but the flames nearly did, said Robert to himself. There's something else, sir, I'm afraid, interjected the footman. I'm afraid that Wilfred... The Count got up slowly and hobbled over to the dog. Why? 
He's dead! He didn't suffer, sir. Of course he suffered! The Count cried. I bred him! I trained him! He was my friend! I'm slightly put off by the... I bred him. That was... It was awful to read. I hated every second of it. Of course he suffered. Sir, I'm sorry. It's my fault! I should never have left him in your care! How did he die? He was shot, sir. It was an accident. I knew it! I knew it! I was right all those times you told me I was paranoid! The Count shouted. He was just killed because I dared to oppose the science and wisdom of the system! All other animals survived except him! I must... I must send a telegram to the newspapers! Tell them what happened! And with that, the Count sent a telegram to all the newspapers of the world. All the newspapers. He asked everyone to remain in the room whilst he thought about his beloved dog. He didn't trust anyone. Who could have done this? Lady Radish raised a hand to her father. Slapped him about it. <laughs> Maybe he's in shock, I guess. Lady Radish raised a hand to her father and said, Father, I am so very sad about the dog. I can't believe this has happened. The Count couldn't believe it, but he was actually considering the possibility. Don't speak to your father that way! He shouted, but his daughter just kept yelling. I know what happened. I know what happened. It was those ghosts! They killed the dog and are going to kill me next. That's why you didn't want me here. So I wouldn't be able to tell the world what happened. Everyone stared at the Count in shock. The Count knew this would happen. She was always so melodramatic. I don't think it was the ghosts, darling. It's unlikely they would like the dog being in the way of their plans. The Count clapped his hands and walked over to the butler who had been hiding. The, the gardener! gardener. <laughs> Why did I join in? The gardener! Where is he? I'm here, sir. The gardener came out of the shadows. You are an intelligent man. I want you to make sure everybody stays here until the police get here. Also, can you tell me the answer to this riddle? What has no eyes but can still see? He asked. I have no eyes, sir. Exactly. Thank you. The Count looked at his daughter. I'm sorry about the dog. I'm sorry about my reaction. One of those bastards did it, and I'm going to find out who, using the powers of the detective. Radish was a little intrigued. She'd never met a real-life police detective before. She wondered if it'd be the famous detective, Dr. Sheep. What did the gardener say his name was? She asked. Sherlock Holmes! Oh. I've read some of his cases, she said excitedly. I'll bet he's amazing. I'll bet he's an idiot who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> Notoriously uh, incompetent. I his, like, his reputation proceeds. I like how the Count has invited Sherlock down, but he does <laughs> not have any faith in his abilities whatsoever. <laughs> Let's break down this idiot who's going to cover it up. Uh, I'll bet he's an idiot! The Count muttered to himself. I'll take the helicopter back to my home! 
I'm staying at the palace tonight, and I don't fancy spending my night looking at soup. <laughs> Which is, I assume, an expression. I'm going to try and weave that into my life. Absolutely. If I can in any way. It's going to be common parlance. I didn't come here to look at soup, Susan. <laughs> I think you should stay here for the inspector. Why? Because you're a celebrity. And we're all friends here. She beamed. Besides, I want to see how this all plays out. A real-life mystery. This is exciting. The Count laughed. She was right. It would be very interesting to find out who killed his dog. Fine! He agreed, and they all headed off to the mansion. Okay, so we've had... The the murder was not of a human. Which was surprising, because that's exactly what I was thinking coming into this. Yeah, it, it feels like a bit of a divergence for the genre to seriously investigate the death of a dog. I'm not an expert, but I feel like Sherlock Holmes probably wouldn't come out for that sort of case. He investigated the hounds of the Baskervilles. Oh, But yeah. I don't think any of them were dead dogs. No. Okay, so who are our suspects so far? Okay, so we have... Uh, we've got Lady Radish. Yeah, Lady who's Radish. Who's got a weirdly, really low voice. <laughs> yeah. And then we've got her father, who's got a high kind of Niles Crane voice. Um, and then there's Matthew. Oh, the lord from the other household. Yes, exactly, who wants think this house oh so there's a motive there potentially yeah yeah then we've got robert who is he, a people muncher yeah oh <laughs> um, um so he might be peckish because if i'm honest all he had tonight was birdseed <laughs> <laughs> oh he's probably there's also that pregnant woman yeah um yeah okay there's a pregnant woman who refused to arm herself at the beginning of the night yeah it's it's unusual that a pregnant woman doesn't murder but, but they, you know, she might be working on a one-in-one-out policy. <laughs> there was a lot of talking, but nothing important was said until everyone had a chance to give their alibi for the time of death. The servants all said that they had been cleaning the dining room, which was in the east wing of the house at the time. <laughs> Does it just move around the dining room? Oh, it's like the staircases in Harry Potter. It's like a promiscuous dining room. It was in the East Wing at the moment. I was speaking with Wilfred the butler in his room, said one of the staff. There was a knock on the door. The inspector had arrived from London. Ah, Mr. Holmes, said the Count, welcoming him into the hallway. I do hope you have a pleasant time here. I'm sure I will, sir. The staff say they were all in the dining room at the time, and my daughter was speaking with the butler in his quarters. It would be rude to doubt them, but I wonder if you could check their rooms, just to make sure there's no hidden passages or secret rooms. Yes, sir, I'll get to work on that, Mr. Holmes said, and set off to inspect each of the rooms. He put on a pair of latex-free gloves and set about examining each of the staff's quarters. He entered the footman's bedsit. It was small, only three foot wider than the bed that was neatly made up, and had a chest of drawers and a bookshelf. On one of the shelves was a collection of books, some fiction, some non-fiction. On the floor was a short black leather leash. Ooh, kinky. Could be a dog. Or, or kinky. Mr. Holmes picked it up and examined it. It had a silver buckle shaped like a dog's head. Oh, a clue, a clue, a clue. Interesting, he said to himself. He moved on to the maid's room. Sherlock's assistant, named Bubbles, was a very pretty girl of 19. Bubbles. With long blonde hair and a fresh country complexion. 
like a rosy cider apple. <laughs> oh, God. She was kneeling in the corner of the room on a doormat, scrubbing dried blood off the wooden floor with a brush. It's probably just some of the staffs. She picked up a small white envelope. On it, in neat handwriting, was written the word Bubbles. She opened it and read the note inside. I know what you did. Be at the back of the Count's garden at midnight, or you will suffer the consequences. Oh my god, she said. I've been threatened. Don't be so dramatic, girl, Sherlock said. It's just a letter threatening you. <laughs> That's exactly how dramatic that, you that should is, be. Yeah, exactly. When threatened. I'm the only person in the world who actually knows how stupid you are, so you have nothing to fear. The next day, after everyone had inspected all of the rooms and found nothing, the Count said he had invited some people round to hear Mr. Holmes's theory, including the butler. All the guests from the previous night gathered in the dining room once again, this time eyeing each other up nervously. Robert looked guilty as sin, but that might just be because instead of staying up to clean the mess, he had gone to London to have a massive party. After they were all seated, the Count asked Mr. Holmes to begin his theory. Before I begin, he said, I should tell you that none of you are innocent. <gasps> the twelve guests gasped. It was unfathomable that they'd all had a part in the dog's death, even Robert, who'd gone to London. Well, someone killed the dog, Mr. Holmes said, and I intend on finding out who. The guests began muttering to one another. The maid hid behind the butler, her hands clasped in front of her mouth. The footman shuffled from one foot to the other. The cook stroked his beard and looked at the ceiling. Lady Radish was the only one who didn't seem nervous. See, I think Lady Radish did it. It is hella suspicious that she's like barely phased. Yeah, exactly. But then that does, she's quite unshakable so far in the story. So maybe she's really not that well. Well, yeah. I have assembled a few points together in a Microsoft Office 2003 PowerPoint presentation that I'd like to share with you, said Mr. Holmes. Could my laptop please be brought in? The footman this is very specific. This is I Microsoft PowerPoint 2003 edition. Pretty good edition, but also quite. It's gone quite sales training conference. That's quite exactly. Quickly. I I picture them in a boardroom, but the boardroom is a mansion, and there's been a murder. The footman brought forward a glass lectern and a VGA cable, which was connected to the projector port on Mr. Holmes's laptop. The lights were dimmed, and a PowerPoint presentation began to appear on the wall in front of them. First, said Mr. Holmes, we must explore the relationships between the people in this house. A flowchart appeared, with Len at the top of the hierarchy. Len is the footman here, and was the one who found the dog's body. As he said the word body, a clip art of a dead dog flashed up on the screen and rotated for a few seconds. Tasteful. It's a tasteful. Very tasteful. I must ask Mr. Holmes for his template. <laughs> He's very good looking and the only one here who doesn't have a moustache, continued Mr. Holmes. You might think that makes him the most suspicious, but I can assure you there is more to it than that. A new branch of the flowchart extended from Len's image. It read, Innocent? Question mark at the top. Below it were three paths. The first read, Is he stupid? The second, Is he Dutch? And the third, is he sexy? And I can tell you the answer to all three is yes. <laughs> but I also love that, like, that he's instructing the jury, like, motive, opportunity, means. It's like, no, 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 no. no. Is he stupid? Is he sexy? And 
uh, most is, importantly, is he Dutch? <laughs> a racial bias against the Absolutely. Dutch. Absolutely. Obviously, Mr. Holmes said, we must investigate each of these avenues of inquiry. He pressed a button, and the screen changed to a map of the house. Each of the 12 rooms was highlighted in a different colour, as was a 13th unlabeled room at the end of a hallway. This house has 13 rooms in total. We will now explore each room and determine what, if anything, is relevant to the case. An elaborate slide transition revealed the first room, the dining hall. Ah, the dining hall, where all of you were sat eating. Or were you all actually here? A picture of the dining table with 12 place settings and an empty 13th chair appeared. Len said he found the dog's body, but was that actually true? Let us investigate further. The next slide showed the hallway outside the dining room. There was a chalk outline on the floor and a large pool of blood. There was also a murder here, Mr. Holmes said gravely. I don't have time to investigate this crime, so let's move on. Wait, hold on. There's been another murder? <laughs> There's been like a second murder in the hallway. And Mr. Holmes is like, I don't care. I just can't right now. The next room was the kitchen. A picture of an onion and some knives appeared. The only thing of interest in here was a large knife and an onion, said Mr. Holmes. I don't see what value either of these could have in the investigation. Okay, ignoring the large knife. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... But, uh, we, you know, we don't know he, how the dog was killed I think yet. he was shot. Oh, he was shot, was he? Oh, in that case, the large knife is probably irrelevant. But the onion... The onion is I, I've, all relevant. I've seen cases hang on an onion. <laughs> the next room was the library. This room contains nothing but books, Mr. Holmes said. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> As an image of rows and rows of bookshelves appeared on the screen. It's obviously the most boring room in the house. Does anyone like books? Lady Radish raised a hand. I do actually quite like them, she said. They make wonderful fire starters. <laughs> also hates books. Everyone, is everyone, everyone hate books? hates books. Indeed, said Mr. Holmes. The next slide read, books, fire. Obviously. Yeah. Maybe he hates books because he was born of a book. Oh, very Freudian. Mm. The next room was the dining room again. The butler, Mr. Purvis, was in here all night polishing the silver when the murder took place. Hopefully not a euphemism. <laughs> Let's ask him some questions. Mr. Holmes went to the door and invited the butler inside. Old pervy Purvis. Swims like a butler, looks like a priest. Very boring man, very suspicious, he said. Jesus Christ. I'm starting to think Mr. Holmes might not be contenting himself in the most professional way. I don't think so either. You've been working at this house for how long, Mr. Purvis? 22 years, sir. Do you have any idea who could have killed the Count's beloved dog? I'm afraid I don't, sir. The Count was a good man. He's a good man. He's still alive. <laughs> Mr. Holmes furrowed his brow and stroked his beard thoughtfully. It's funny you should have said that. We've been looking at your accounts. He pulled out a ring binder filled with papers. There's quite a lot of forensic accounting here. Surprisingly. It seems that you're in a lot of debt. That's ridiculous, sir. I have a small loan with the local bank, but I pay all my bills on time, sir. Perhaps you'll be interested in a little side job. The Count is very wealthy. If you were to, say, eliminate him, it might solve all of your money troubles. I swear on me, Mum! I <laughs> didn't kill that dog! <laughs> I, you know, I was not expecting Pervy Purvis to swear on his mum. <laughs> no, I didn't expect his mum to be alive. 
He was obviously agitated. Temper, temper, chided Sherlock. One more question, Mr. Purvis. Do you like men? I, I don't understand. You seem a little tense. Does the word man cause you to tense up? Perhaps turn you on? No! Are you sure? Mr. Holmes said, grinning lasciviously. I think I'd know if I was gay, Purvis exclaimed. Murmurs went around the room, and the guests were shocked. Purvis's denial did seem somewhat inauthentic. I wouldn't be so sure, quipped Sherlock, and the other guests politely clapped. The next room was the library again. I believe we've covered this room. We're done with books, said Mr. Holmes. The screen showed a picture of books, then a picture of a painting. We certainly are, said Lady Ranacotta taking out an ornate dagger and stabbing the bookkeeper, Mr. Mortimer, in the throat. He gargled as he slumped to the floor, dying instantly. Okay, claimed Mr. Holmes. Not what we're here to do. Next room, please. Oh my god. An actual an actual. That was murder. an actual murder just right there. Lady Ranacotta did it. In front of, it. of the detective. Also Lady Ranacotta, clearly just Panacotta with an R. What is with this and food? <laughs> it's obsessed. The next slide showed a billiards table. Ah, billiards. Now this is more like it. Everyone crowded round the table. There are several balls on the table, said Mr. Holmes. Your job is to knock them into the holes. Every ball has a name written on it. Find the balls with the names of the suspects and pop them into the relevant holes. All the guests picked up cues and began attempting to pop the balls with their names on. Robert immediately tried potting the balls into the holes. Unfortunately, he wasn't very good at it and ended up knocking more balls off the table than potting them. Suddenly, Mr. Grimstone spoke up. I found the ball with the name Lady Ranacotta on it. Good job, said Mr. Holmes. Everyone, we're looking for the ball with Mr. Grimstone on it. I found it. Great, good job, Robert. Now shove it down the hole. <laughs> Robert lifted the cue and pushed the ball towards the edge of the table. It rolled off, hitting Mr. Grimstone in the chest. He oh. looked up from his own balls, um, glaring at Robert. I think I found Mr. Holmes, said David. I'm not even a suspect, he protested. That's nonsense. Nonsense or not, that's the name on the ball. Robert looked down at the ball with Mr. Holmes' name on it. He picked it up and immediately felt compelled to throw it at Mr. Holmes. Before he knew what he was doing, he had chucked it at him, striking him in the hip and knocking him into the swimming pool, immediately scoring five <laughs> points. <laughs> I like the, that there's point system to this whole I thing. I really want to play this game. Honestly. This like, weird wet billiards thing. Oh dear! Exclaimed Lady Ranacotta. The lifeguard blew his whistle, and a mechanical spout dumped a dozen tubs of penalty balls onto the pool table. Everybody looked down at the table, finding the balls moving around erratically. Now everyone take a cue, cried Mr. Holmes from the water, grabbing one and waving it around, and pot as many balls as you can. Everybody grabbed a cue and tried to pot balls. After ten minutes of frantic activity, Robert had potted more than anyone else, and even Mr. Holmes had to be impressed. Can I just say, I have absolutely no idea what's going on. I, d I have no... <laughs> Suddenly there's a pool. I thought we were supposed to be solving a murder. I thought there was a slideshow. And but now then... they've taken... Presumably this is like a team-building activity, and they're like, let's, let's go to the breakout room and play just, uh, pool. You know, we're all a little tense. Let's play, let's play pool. I feel like he's using this as like a learning opportunity. Yeah. After nearly 20 minutes of activity, it came down to the final ball, which simply said motive on it in red letters. 
Robert looked at it, and then at Lady Ranacotta. She was standing nearby, and Robert felt a strange compulsion to pot her in the corner. I think I'll pot her in the corner, he said under his breath, nudging Lady Radish. She blushed at the innuendo, before adding, I think you should pot her in the middle. That's the most effective place to pot a ball. She giggled from behind a hand fan and let slip a few strands of smoke. Oh my god. She's a robot. She's a robot, we all knew it. Sherlock led the group back to his PowerPoint. We've established that motive is key. Frankly, the guests thought this was an elaborate way of making a simple point, but they had nowhere to be, so they stayed in the room. He pressed next on the PowerPoint, and a new picture came up. This one showed a table with three chairs around it. On the table were a pistol, a lead pipe, and a knife. Ah, the old how will the murder weapon be found game. I actually just made that up, said Mr. Holmes. Anyway, on the table are three clues, a lead pipe, a pistol, and a knife. You've all been wandering the house for the last hour, so you all have a good idea of what weapon was used and where the body is located. Does anyone know which weapon was used to kill the dog? The knife, sir, said David. Well, surely not, because the dog was the dog was shot. The dog was shot. So, what the fuck, David? Correct. It was the knife. Everyone seemed shocked that a seven-year-old had outdone everyone else. Does anybody else know where the body is? Mr. Grimstone stood up and waved his hands around frantically. I do, I do, I do. It's in the butler's room, he said eagerly. Excellent, said Mr. Holmes. The butler did it. He winked. The butler hadn't actually done it, but he might be gay. He gave Mr. Grimstone a gold star for participation and then continued the lesson. Now we get to motive. Now who would benefit from the dog's death? The cook, volunteered David. She hated the dog. Anyone else? David stood up and cleared his throat nervously. He raised his hand, but then dropped it. I did, he said quietly. You? Mr. Holmes was surprised. Everyone else was too. Why would you want to kill the dog? He, he took a piece of my pastrami. Pretty reasonable, Sherlock thought. Probably not worth killing over though, right? He said. Uh, no, no, it was. It was the only piece of pastrami in the house. If I didn't get any, my dad would notice. So you would kill the dog to prevent your father from learning you had not eaten pastrami? That seems a bit extreme. He beats me! <laughs> Mr. Holmes was taken aback. Okay, well we should think carefully about who is likely to want to kill the dog. David interrupted. I, I just said it was me. I did it. No, it was the cook, said Mr. Grimstone. The butler did it, added somebody else. Mr. Holmes was stumped. There was no reliable evidence for who had done it. He decided to change tack and explain how they had solved the mystery. Everybody write down who you think done it on a piece of paper. Once everyone is finished, I'll go through the evidence and we'll see if we can determine who the murderer is. It was a tried and tested method and actually used in Venice all the time with some slight alterations. The guests wrote down who they thought the murderer was on a piece of paper and handed it into Mr. Holmes. He put all the pieces of paper in a hat and shuffled them around. And then he pulled one out. The murderer is... David, he said dramatically. David stood up and started shaking nervously. Everybody clapped and the Count shed a little tear. Oh. 
David took a deep bow and kissed every one of the ladies' hands. Then he sat down and ate the rest of the pastrami. The Count approached Mr. Holmes. Sherlock, that was a wonderful example of using logic to solve a murder. But I must ask you, how did you know it was David? It could have been any one of us. Sherlock tapped his nose with a knowing grin. The hat, you see, it's magic. It reveals the identity of the murderer to me, but only to me. Luckily, I took the hat with me, so no one else can use its power. Everybody looked disappointed by this anticlimax. But... Started the Count, before he was interrupted by a knock on the door. I wonder who that could be. He opened the door, and it was none other than Mr. Jack the Ripper himself. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, good sir. I heard that there was a gathering of some of London's elite here, and I've come to kill them all and throw their bodies to the dogs. The Count looked horrified, but then regained his composure. I see. You may enter, but I fear you will not find it very rewarding. Oh, I'll find it rewarding. And they were all murdered. Ah. Sherlock Holmes went on to franchise his brand into books, TV shows, movies, coffee mugs, and other cliched products. Lady Radish starred in a BBC adaptation of this very story, but wasn't paid very much, so went back to being a lady. The gay butler went on to write several very successful novels, David continued to eat pastrami, which he loved very much. Mr. Grimstone became a prolific writer of fiction, but was forever haunted by the fact that he used real people as characters in his books, even though he changed all of their names. The Count continued to count, but kept on finding bodies in his house, and had to stop holding dinner parties altogether. And that's the end of the story. Oh my god. Whoa. I actually quite enjoyed that. There was a lot going on there. There was a lot, and Jack the Ripper came, and everyone died, but they weren't dead. They had fulfilling rest of their lives. I I love it when a story comes together, and everybody dies, but then goes on to have careers. Exactly. Presumably, the corpse is reanimated Mm -hmm. in some way. I don't don't know. I mean, the BBC looks pretty good coming out of this in terms of ageism to have an actual dead body and an adaptation of of a show that's pretty good i mean who invited jack the ripper why did he just show up i well no because he he had heard that there were some elites ah okay so maybe sherlock has been indiscreet telling everybody that he's going north or whatever well you know sherlock he's such a loud man well loose lips sink ships and get (laughs) other people shanked yes that's entirely true david is one messed up little boy i feel so bad for david his dad beats him but he killed a dog for pastrami (laughs) (laughs) i sorry it's not funny that his dad beats him um he's fictional so it's fine but (laughs) oh yeah his dad beats him about pastrami about not eating pastrami have you had your pastrami today and, and he says, no, no, I haven't. And the belt comes up. Oh, it's awful. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. It's just awful. That's really And bad. then, like... Can I just... You should not abuse your children. And if you are going to... Well, don't. Just don't. But, but... don't do it over cured meats. I also feel like uh, Holmes's character, he's kind of like a recruitment consultant. or like some. He's like leading an away day. That's the yeah. vibe I'm getting from him. Um, yeah. And like, I don't... It, it, it's more luck. Well, it's literally luck. I mean, he's 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 pulled out what I assume he calls the Justice Tombola. 
Oh, the Justice Tombola. Yeah, I, I think it's presumably a patented system where he writes down the name of every suspect, puts it into this uh, magic hat. My interpretation of this is the hat is not magic, but he just tells people that. Because uh, another crime solved is another crime solved. I mean, well, he yeah. doesn't give a shit who but goes down. He, it did say that this is well known to be done in Venice. Oh, yeah, they use this in Venice. I don't know why Venice benefits. I assume it's something to do with the canals. Yeah. I mean, on the whole, actually, a pretty reasonable story. There's kind of a... Somebody gets murdered. Somebody else did it. There's, there, there's there no motive murder. at all. <laughs> you know, there's no reason why yeah. that would have happened. But the pastrami was nice. Yeah, no, the pastrami was nice. I think that was my favorite part of the story. And David got to eat some pastrami as well. Oh, and which good presumably for him. will appease his father for another 24 hours. <laughs> um, let's assume that David then goes into care and the system works and he goes on to be a barrister. Who knows? Good for David! Probably overturning a lot of Sherlock's Absolute, tombola based convictions. His tombola hijinks. <laughs> Also, I'm re- just really quickly, I'm very disappointed we didn't hear again from Bubbles, the assistant. Yeah, yeah. Well, after t- after Tombola Sherlock <laughs> um, yeah. basically berated her into silence. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She was going to get, like, shanked or something. She was. She had to meet somebody. Well, and she just didn't we, do it. How do we know that she didn't get shanked? Maybe. Maybe that's why we never heard from her again. Maybe she was like, oh, I better check this lead out. And then she got killed uh, by David. Well, that's a pretty good episode. I'm pretty happy with that. And I, I'm really enjoying this new, more advanced AI. I think we are getting stories that, on the whole, make more sense, but still have weird moments and descriptions in them. Absolutely. If you have a suggestion for a story you'd like us to tackle, uh, whether that's a famous uh, story you want us to try and lance, or, or even some characters you want to try and merge together, and we'll see what the AI knows about certain famous characters. Uh, this is the first time, I think, we've had a well-known fictional character be inside the story and with no prompting at all you know the ai knows quite a lot about what sherlock's job is and how he does it um maybe not so much the vga cable stuff yeah but but (laughs) there's some truth in it um yeah uh, why not get in touch with us uh you can do that on twitter uh or instagram at sleepy underscore computer and you can send us a little message um or or at us or whatever the kids do uh and, and we'll 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 consider it for inclusion in a future episode Um, Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye.